That was the like my my clap. It worked, <laughs> but that was a weak clap. Yeah, so was mine. <laughs> I was clapping like Dumbledore. <laughs> D- yeah, Dumbledore claps as softly as possible, but then screams in Harry's face when he <laughs> possibly put his name into the Goblet of Horror. We're reading the uh, fourth book right now. <laughs> it's I my just, favorite book. And I just recently passed the part where like Dumbledore asked Harry calmly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I just love <laughs> who directed the fourth movie. I don't even know. You know what? I'm on the computer right now. I'm going to pull it up. This is very important stuff. Look at that. Look at this. Oh, my- Mike Newell. <laughs> Whoever that is. <laughs> so- Let's see. Mike Newell. <laughs> Let's see what his filmography. Okay, let here's a sprinkling of other things that he's directed. Donnie Brasco, Pushing Tin, Mona Lisa Smile. Those are all before. And then next was um, Harry Potter. And then Love in the Time of Cholera, Prince of Persia, <laughs> The Sands of Time. No. <laughs> the only one that I've heard of in that whole list as a good movie is Donnie Brasco, and I don't even know if it's actually a good movie. <laughs> Maybe you're but thinking that's of Donnie with... Darko. <laughs> Isn't that with Al Pacino though? Donnie Brasco, not Donnie yeah. Darko. Yeah, 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 yeah. Donnie Brasco. <laughs> But could we get Donnie Darko with Al Pacino instead of Jake Gyllenhaal, please? Can we get Harry Potter with Al Pacino instead of any character? Yeah, Hermione. Like, would I rather see him as Harry Potter or would I rather see him as Dobby? Now, this is the kind of content that people listen to our podcast for. <laughs> that Victor you... Crumby's got a great ass. <laughs> if if uh, Al Pacino could be any Harry Potter character, who would he be? Well, how intensely Lord Delacour? Ask, how intensely would he ask Harry Potter if he put his name in the Goblet of Fire? Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> <Hoo-ah>! <laughs> oh God, that was stupid. Oh, welcome. Let's run that back. Hey, man. (laughs) Okay, so now that we got through the important part of the podcast, I guess I'll just go ahead and introduce it. This is Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. I'm Matt. We're two brothers who talk about movies as if our opinions matter, and today we're going to be catching up on what we've been watching. We're going to get locked up with Locked Down, and... (sighs) What else are we gonna do? <laughs> I guess I guess we're gonna pick which character Al Pacino would best be in the Harry Potter movie series. So without further, <laughs> or we can play another round of Cody guesses which Alfred Hitchcock movie Matt watched this week. But the twist is I only watched the first three minutes of it. <laughs> oh man! Okay. Well, we're leaving you in suspense. Who knows what's coming at the end of this podcast? <laughs> So without further ado, let's run that back. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Sorry, that's the most recent film that Mike Newell directed. 
That's the newelist. <laughs> the newelist. Oh man. It's it's been one of those times where two weeks after our last podcast came out, I looked at the time and went, Oh look at that, it's been two weeks <laughs> and we did not get a new movie set up. So it's been a little while and I've been watching a lot. I don't know about you. Um, I've been trying to watch a lot, but things have been crazy. Crazy February. We're trying to we're trying to get the house ready. We're trying to get some stuff done that we want to get done before the baby gets here. And yep. just <sighs> work has yep. been you know, our work schedules are nuts, so I haven't really Everyone, been terribly available. All listeners, uh take in what he just said. Keep in mind that you know, these could be the last episodes where it's quiet in the background for Matt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I have watched quite a bit. Like I said, we finished the newest season of The Expanse recently, which was fantastic as always. Love that show. I've never heard of that show. Oh, it it was a it was a show that was on Sci-Fi Network and for whatever reason was super good. And then at like kind of the peak of it being really good, Sci-Fi was like canceled. Mm-hmm. And Amazon bought it. And the past two seasons have been done by Amazon. And it's based on a book series that has, like, you know, a bit to go. But um, they announced the next season will be the last one, even though it doesn't complete the book series. And so, whatever. (laughs) But we also watched, randomly just decided to watch a season of The Great British Baking Show, which we hadn't done in a while. And (laughs) my God, that show is amazing. And then recently, the, the hot thing to be watching is WandaVision. I have been watching WandaVision. Did you watch yes. uh, the most recent episode? Yes, okay. I did. Um, we finally finished The Mandalorian. Yes. And finished, finished. Did you see the post-credits thing? Of The Mandalorian? Yeah. I completely forget to keep going. I, I want to go back because I read there is one, and I also read like what it sets up. So I it's like of, I kind of know what it is. I kind but, of want um, you to like watch it right now and record your reaction to it. Okay. I'm about to watch the post credit scene of <laughs> the last episode of The Mandalorian. So <laughs> spoilers, I guess, for <laughs> the post credit scene of The Mandalorian, because I will be reacting to it, of course. <laughs> Okay, so Cody's back, everyone. <laughs> so the post credit scene of The Mandalorian has Boba Fett and Mulan. Ming-Na Wen. I don't know what her <laughs> character's name is. Mulan. Breaking, <laughs> breaking into Jabba's palace, which obviously it's not Jabba's palace anymore. He right, now being run by Bib Fortuna. <laughs> and being two people... Just walked in and killed everyone very easily. <laughs> and Boba is now on the throne of what? I've never really understood what... I guess he was uh, the... Jabba was the leader of like a... Almost like the mafia of Tatooine, right? Right. He was basically a mob boss. So I guess Boba's now the mob boss Right. So of is, Tatooine. Is Boba Fett 
like Breaking Bad, and now he's like a bad guy, or is he gonna like clean up Tatooine? Yeah, there's the right literally thing? there's literally no way he's a bad guy. He it's gonna it's gotta be the I don't. I hope I think first order of business increase security for that palace because <laughs> right. really Boba had to walk in and kill one person. So really. Ming-Na Wen walked in and killed everyone by herself, <laughs> right. which begs the question, why couldn't they do that in Return of the Jedi? <laughs> but well, they kind of did. I guess it was it was Luke with his lightsaber. And man, but that, I will say, that was a very satisfying... I mean, not for me, because I wasn't alive when Return of the Jedi came <laughs> out, but imagining being alive for it that was a very satisfying what 40 years waiting to watch someone shoot the chain so the slave could run away <laughs> right was that still ula no she was green wasn't she man we're pretty we're nerds aren't we <laughs> <laughs> we might be wow we might be i've also been watching a show that i recently discovered mm-hmm. called forged in fire have you ever okay. heard of this show i have not it's basically chopped, but for bladesmiths. <laughs> okay, yeah, without question, nerds. <laughs> so these bladesmiths come in, you know, people who make weapons out of metal. Yeah, yes. Come in, it, <laughs> the people will be like, here's a chainsaw. Find all the metal you can use on this chainsaw and make a Salvage knife out of it. it. <laughs> And sometimes they just give them a piece of metal to do it. Yeah. But like, yeah. And also, you must utilize blueberries. And the, yeah. <laughs> and then they have to make a blade, like a knife or whatever, to pass the tests that the judges will put them through. The tests are like chopping into deer antlers and oh god, and like just crazy stuff. But this show is awesome. Well, there you go. Carrie okay, for, forged in fire. Recommended by Matt, <laughs> not recommended by Carrie. <laughs> That's funny, because, I mean, there's there's now competition shows for pretty much everything. Like, I asked my coworker if she's watched the Great British Baking Show. She was like, no, but there's a show like that, but for glass blowing. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're like, there's all these blacksmiths, and they, like, make they make knives and stuff. <laughs> But speaking of being nerds and noticing details and, I mean, WandaVision, right? Like, <laughs> I know we kind of talked about it and we don't have to get super into it and we don't have to sit here and, like, spoil it, it for people episode. that haven't seen it. It could be. Maybe it will be one day once it's over. <laughs> but it's just, it's just so good. And I saw a quote that was pretty funny to me that WandaVision is every Marvel fan's dream and every casual fan's worst nightmare. (laughs) 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 Because like I was thinking about it and without going into, you know, spoilers for WandaVision, something big happened at the end of episode five. And that big thing I said to Kristen, Dylan wouldn't understand what was big about that right because I don't think he's would either. only seen the mcu <laughs> so like he wouldn't get it um and i was just thinking like how weird is that 
that for the first time ever, you have to know more than just what they've told you. And so it's just like the the fact that they're going deep, <laughs> deep. into all of that. We're going to get sued by binge mode. But the fact that they're going so deep into their resources, pretty much, is okay. very surprising. I I read someone tweeted or there was a rumor somewhere that Chris Evans had signed on to reprise cap his role as Captain America and he came out and was like eh, news to me or you know not right true. Of, of course what if he did sign on but he's not reprising his role as Captain America and he's being the human torch what? in you... something it's totally I was... possible I was thinking the same thing along the lines with who else played the Human Torch recently. What, Michael B. Jordan? Who was Killmonger, Killmonger. right? Right. So, <laughs> just have both of them show up and then, like, have And then the Human Torch from... is the new King of Wakanda. Exactly. No, I was going to say, like, have the people from Wakanda be like, is that Killmonger? <laughs> I'm just so lost. Bucky's like, Cap? <laughs> That would be so confusing, it but also, like, some, yeah. the idea that you brought up that, you know, multiple Spider-Mans are most likely going to be in the next Spider-Man and stuff, like, mm-hmm. why would there not be multiple Fantastic Four members? Like, right. I, I mean, Jessica Alba could have already reprised her role many times. She was just invisible. Right. <laughs> but they're just, I'm, I'm getting a little nervous that mm-hmm. they're going to do, like, too much i mean and maybe there's all, you mean just in the whole marvel canon or you mean like in wandavision in the whole marvel canon gotcha gotcha unless it starts happening in wandavision and dr strange multiverse of madness kind of puts an end it, to it you know but it's I, tough I don't know. oh man so yeah hopefully everyone out there is also getting a lot of time watching things while you're all possibly still locked up in uh quarantine but let's uh let's move into hbo max's original movie locked down that we are talking about today it was directed by doug lehman written by stephen knight it is starring anne hathaway chiwetel ejiofor and Many random people like Ben Stiller. <laughs> ben Stiller was in this movie. At it least for me, a minute. It took me a minute to be like, is that Ben Stiller? Yeah. With I, I, white hair? <laughs> I said out loud, is that Ben Stiller? And Kristen was like, it looks like him. <laughs> it sounds like him. It, it, it was him. Yeah. And then it also had Ben Kingsley. And I feel like they didn't tell Ben Kingsley he was in a movie. I think they just... <laughs> called him on facetime and they got what they got he was he's always good he just like it's he's just so natural in these (laughs) weird characters he was really giving me vibes of the rabbi from lucky number (laughs) 11 but he was a christian man in this one right Pretty much, it was a movie filmed during covid the beginning of of covid it was filmed in london it pretty much was a story of a couple that was, like, ready to break up, but then lockdown hit, and so they still are, like, stuck together. Anne Hathaway is the CEO of a company. Chibatal Ejiofor is furloughed from his truck driving job. And 
Ejiofor is given the opportunity to drive very high level merchandise from, you know, a department store to the airport while Anne Hathaway's company needs to move all their expensive stock from this department store back to New York and it's like three and a half million pounds of of stuff and so their paths align where he's picking up her stuff and she's trying to get rid of it pounds as a unit of currency not weight yes yes exactly but what edgy is doing is like off the books and like illegal because he has to oh because he has, he has a record he because he's a convicted right. felon Right, and so he's, like, using a fake name and stuff that was given to him by his company. His fake name was Edgar Allan Poe, who his boss had never heard of before. Yeah. <laughs> and just thought it was a good name. Um, but uh, <laughs> that, that was, was a really good really recurring funny. joke. Yes, that was. So the the conflict is that Anne Hathaway has set such good security that Ejiofor is definitely going to be caught unless she inserts herself into the situation and gets control of how the security works so that he doesn't get caught. And then once she takes control, they kind of realize how easy it would be to just steal the merchandise and be rich and, like, no one would be able to catch them for some reason. Like, they kind of explain it, but it never like really fully feels like it makes sense <laughs> yeah it's essentially well it's kind of what is happening in the real world where they're like oh well we won't get caught because covid that really doesn't make sense but everyone just accepts it it's like oh okay, right <laughs> so but pretty much uh you know the end of the movie it turns into like a heist movie they steal the diamond that they were supposed to be moving and live happily ever after right I think the idea is that there will be so few people involved in the movement of everything because everyone's on lockdown. They're trying right, to keep exactly. as few people as involved. So security is laxed. Right. And people don't really care, I think, is what it is. It's like, yeah, the diamond's being sold, but the buyer isn't going to get it for ever. Years and or something. Yeah. So it, like, it doesn't matter. Just steal it. No one will ever look at it. Whatever. That's not the really the issue that's not the biggest issue with the movie um but obviously i have some notes and i could tell by your sigh that you have some thoughts on the movie oh i was sighing more at your pun oh okay that's understandable i mean i thought it was a good pun but uh what did you think of the movie well cody a good pun does make people sigh that's true that's true (laughs) i thought it was good it's it's I I enjoyed it. I really liked Chiwetel Ejiofor. I really like yeah. Anne Hathaway. Yep. I love Ben Kingsley. Yep. Stephen Merchant w- was in, in the little bit that he was in. As per usual, he was a genius. He had his neon arrows oh ready. That's so funny. <laughs> um, I thought the acting was incredible. Yes. Um, really, really, really good. And then everything else was solid. Yeah, I would say, like, as a note on the acting, since you brought it up, I think it was really good, too. The places where it really faltered were the script, because a lot of this movie was exposition, especially early on. Right. And it's really difficult for an actor 
to try to be a character when they're just explaining to you what the story is. Right. So that's where it faltered. But then when they were actually in it and able to be the characters, they were all fantastic. I mean, Ben Kingsley really stole the show in his (laughs) scenes for me. And it takes place during COVID. So like all the interactions they have outside of their apartment are mostly on video chat. And Ben Kingsley... I don't know if they let him film himself, but it was beautiful how, like, you could never fully see his face yep. and everything just like, like, that's probably what it's like to FaceTime Ben Kingsley. I was going to say, it was legitimately an old man using FaceTime, not <laughs> yes. understanding, like, where the camera is on the phone and stuff like that. Yes. His character was, like, a reverend or, like, a, a pastor or something. I don't know. And and he started every FaceTime. he was FaceTime. just a religious guy. <laughs> Maybe, Yes. He started every FaceTime with a prayer. Yeah, specifically tailored to whoever he's talking to. And then he, like, hypes himself up, like, you know, I I make these prayers specifically for who I'm talking to. Like, (laughs) God, he was so annoying. But I also thought it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. (laughs) I liked certain parts. Like, I liked, I thought his poems for his street were mm-hmm. fun, mm-hmm. and, like, I just kind of liked that imagining being in, like, you know, lockdown and someone doing that, that would be fun, and I liked the responses from the street, and I thought most most of them going through the heist was fun. I enjoyed the, like, dramatic retelling of Hathaway's trip to Paris, and more than anything, the best moment in the whole movie for me was when Ejiofor thought he saw the hedgehog out in the garden and ran to the door <laughs> looking for the hedgehog. I loved that. He was like, oh, oh, the hedgehog. And he like went out. He was like, oh, he, he got away. <laughs> um, the main issues were the length of the movie. It was mm-hmm. it was two hours long. Mm-hmm. And, and I it, truly it could have believe... been a solid 90 minutes. Oh, yes. The first hour of that movie could have been half the time. Right. And uh, and so it's like the pacing was also an issue for that same reason. The whole, like, first hour just felt so disjointed because it was like, it just felt like so much exposition. Like, mm-hmm. the first scene in the movie, you think about how you want to start strong with your movie and really, like, suck someone into it. And it just starts with an exposition dump. Like, mm-hmm. the, the first moment is Edgy of Four telling his half-brother that... Played by Dulé Hill from yes. ba- from Ballers. I don't know if <laughs> okay. you've watched Ballers. I didn't. But he plays the GM of the Miami Dolphins. And okay. he's awesome in Ballers. I really like I that also, guy, Dulé Hill. I don't know what... I want to say, if you don't know who he is, but you have seen Holes, he's the one that says, I can fix that. Okay, but he's he's a, he's a bigger character in Ballers, <laughs> which no one's seen. So anyway, Ballers um, is good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the first scene is him just like, you know, I was furloughed. Uh, this is what's going on with Anne Hathaway. Uh, this is what's wrong with our relationship. Uh, but and I'm just like, okay, no, I got all this. You don't have to explain all this to me. Like, show it to me, <laughs> right? And I I wonder, because the movie was shot in just 18 days. Okay. (laughs) So it was, like, super fast. And part of me wonders, like, the movie felt like it kind of, like, the style of the movie, like, changed as the movie went on. And so I almost wonder if they, like, 
decided let's do it more like this like as they were filming well, the i don't title, know the genre of the script changed as yes went through the movie too it so started on purpose you think so because it, it started as like like a drama to mm-hmm. me like yeah. they were it was it was very serious right and then as it shifted to be more about a heist even their performances got more fun yeah, as they grew closer and closer together, they were having more fun. They were happier people. Okay. I, okay, sure. Sorry, I'm going to go back to the acting. That's the, fine. The perfor- the, all right, so Chuatel Ejiofor's character, I can't remember any of their names. I just remember his name was Paxton because I just keep, keep thinking of Hollywood actor Bill Paxton <laughs> from the Twister ride. <laughs> Among other things, but... <laughs> I'm a Hollywood actor, Bill Paxton. <laughs> but anyway, he was, in the past, a biker, rebel, badass yep. kind of guy. Met Anne Hathaway's character, they fell in love, that's kind of what they bonded over. She was so attracted to his you know, rebel with a cause kind of... His leather jacket. Right, <laughs> a leather jacket. Um, and then they I, got married. We're not married. I, it was they kind of unclear. S- they he kept saying my wife, so yeah. I, they were married. So and you know lived life and became adults and kind of left the rebellion rebelliousness days. yeah behind them um, and became a couple a pair. You know yeah. what I mean. Um, then she drops it on him that she, you know, wants a divorce or wants to break up or whatever, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Right, because we don't know. <laughs> and him kind of psychologically breaking down and, like, losing his relationship and coming out of the other side of that relationship not being even close to who he was before the relationship and not knowing who he is and being stuck in lockdown and just kind of, mm-hmm. I don't want to say losing his mind, but kind of going a little crazy. Just the way he yeah. played it all throughout was, oh yeah, so good, so good. Yeah. And then, and then on her end, she was unhappy because she also enjoyed those. What did they keep calling it? Like the bad old days or something like something that. like that. Yeah. And um, and she ended up. Like, it's almost like she can't stop getting promoted, like, in her company. Right. And it just gets more and more corporate, and their company deals in expensive artifacts to, like, (laughs) warlords and, like, dictators. Right. And so she has just been feeling more and more drained of hating the life she has. And so she also played that really, like, I have to keep everything inside all the time because Mm -hmm. I have to be this professional that I hate to be really well. And, you know, they're, like, eccentric, like, losing their minds under lockdown behavior would also be a lot more understanding if it hadn't only been, like, a week of their time that they were (laughs) locked down. But regardless... I I think that, you know, their performances really, like, really held the movie together. Yeah, yeah. Another thing, like, pretty much, we were, ta- I was, we were talking about how the genre just kind of, like, changed. Something to keep in mind is that the director of this also 
did Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's like one of the movies he did. And, and I feel identity. like that's the one you can most compare to this because it's like husband and wife. Yes, and like in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they like weren't really a loving couple and like were at each other's throats at one point and stuff. Anyway, as the movie got towards that kind of genre and got more fun and like ridiculous and was more like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I was just like, I just wish this is what it was like the whole time. Right. Like, I understand that they wanted to do the shift, but like the whole dramatic part still could have been funny. Like, it could have been more tongue in cheek than it was instead of being like super serious. Mm -hmm. Because it really, like, when it was with Ejiofor. There was some funnier moments, right? But then when they, when him and Anne Hathaway were together, it was very serious, and I feel like it could have been there could have been more levity there, and then it wouldn't feel as disjointed as it went into the next part. Because I mean, a movie like Parasite, it doesn't feel weird when the genre just shifts, <laughs> you know. You know where you were going there when uh, you started <laughs> comparing this movie to Parasite. You see the comparison I'm making, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that movie, like, has Parasite has a moment where the genre changes, and it's not. It's got a like transition. three moments when yes, and it should be more jarring because in Parasite it just it just yes on at a snap or a, or doorbell ring it just shifts. Right. This movie had like time to shift it, and it didn't feel right to me. I do want to say just like one more thing I liked because obviously one of the high points was the acting. But for me, another high point was the sound design because I loved how like loud the street was and stuff. Whenever Anne Hathaway would open the window, there would just be this loud noise and it's almost like it had like a presence of what outside was. And then when they were inside and everything was closed in, you could barely hear the outside and, like, every little movement they made, you, like, heard the noise from it. And it really, like, created this atmosphere of, like, being really in your head and, like, in your house. So, I noticed that, too, but yes. didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's hilarious is so, I thought about it, how much I liked the sound design. And I was like, I kind of liked it because of the attention it brought to itself. Right. And so, I could see why someone wouldn't like that. So it's not that I didn't like the sound design at all. I'm saying specifically the the amount of noise that this, the street was making. Yes. While everyone was in lockdown and no one was on the street. <laughs> but it was the sound. It was like the wind and but like it, the like cars in I the distance. I don't What cars? Everyone's in lockdown. Not delivery drivers like <laughs> Chua Tall Ejiofor. Yeah, he like was Paxton. Furloughed. Like Paxton. Not every driver was <laughs> But I loved anyway. the sound design. And, you know, the sound of the motorcycle, too, and everything. Just everything sounded so nice. Was there anything other than the sound design you didn't like about the movie? <laughs> Nothing specific. It seemed very rushed. Mm. It seemed like... like- like they I, I, shot it in 18 days. <laughs> well, not just shot it. It just seemed like it was, I have this idea. It takes place during COVID. We need to release it during COVID. During COVID. While everyone can kind of still relate to what's going on. Right. And it just seemed like everything was rushed. Right. Not, not necessarily bad, just like 
if you took a little bit more time, could have refined it a little bit and yeah, made it a little smoother. If that, I yeah, don't know yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. That that's part of like what we talked about with like you know the shift in genres, the pacing of especially the first hour. Like it felt like you know they did a cut of the movie and they could have kept trimming it down, but they wanted to like get it out. Yeah, get um, it done. Another thing that kind of just like was just one of those puzzling things was that, you know, Anne Hathaway's character was the CEO of a branch of this like large company that deals in millions of dollars and pounds and stuff. And their, their place that they lived in was like a multi-story like apartment. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so it like, (laughs) it's like, gets a little bit difficult to be like, why are you like hating lockdown so much? Like your house is amazing. You guys, can be completely in different bedrooms and wings of the house at all times. You never have to see each other. And then when it comes to should we steal this diamond, it's like, can we get, can we get, like, we can get this money and stuff. And I'm just still stuck thinking, like, doesn't Anne Hathaway not need this money? Like, yeah, but she she's the CEO of a company that she hates, that she wants to leave. I know, but how much has she made that that she can live off of? I don't know. Maybe she's. We don't know her salary, obviously, but like it I imagine like she's it's very all high on that mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's just so funny because I mean she can feel like you know, f it, I'll I'll buy his motorcycle and give it to him, um, so right. that he can have a parting gift, and that's not a big deal. Which we didn't talk about that, but <laughs> but like it just feels like. I don't know if she needs the money as much as maybe Edgy of Four would. Right. He, there was also one thing, one specific thing that was like a tiny detail that really stuck out to me that I was like, that that was a good choice. I want to say direction. I, I guess that would be the director. Okay. So Ben Stiller played Anne Hathaway's boss. Mm-hmm. And he was like a real piece of shit. Right. As she was, I don't know, it was FaceTiming, Zoom, whatever, had a virtual meeting with virtual him. Virtual chat, yeah. Whenever it showed her on his screen, his mouse pointer was on her face, which, like, annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> but, like, he's he's a piece of shit, so, of course. <laughs> he wouldn't even notice. Right. Of course it does. I love imagining. I love imagining Doug Lehman... Like, hearing you say that, and in his mind being like, what scene is he talking about? But then saying, yep, that's right. I, I uh, you know, he, he's the type of person that he just doesn't notice, you know. Uh. But it has, that had to have been on purpose. Because <laughs> right. it wasn't, like, there was, like, no mouse pointer on hers. Right, right, right. And then that was, that was a good scene. That was a funny scene where she's video chatting with, her boss, Ben Stiller, who has his whole family riding out lockdown in Vermont. And his, like, his Son. kid p- puts up signs <laughs> that say, like, fuck Vermont behind him. And he doesn't notice. Right. So Anne Hathaway has to sit there continuing to talk to her boss while trying not to laugh <laughs> at the fact that his kid hates Vermont. Right. <laughs> Vermont sucks ass or something like right. that. Oh, man, that was really funny. I think we can agree it was a very medium movie <laughs> where, you know, maybe 
it's good, maybe it's bad, like, it's really gonna come down to whoever watches it, but that being said, would you recommend it? Sure. I, I, I don't know if I would. I, just because <laughs> I think very hard about, like, when I tell someone to watch something, I try to imagine what they'll be thinking, and that first hour, I just imagine them being like, what is this? Because there was an after, well, during credit scene, I found out, and so I went back to see what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't and notice. And as, as I was fast-forwarding, I, like, was seeing what the scenes were as the movie went through. It is an hour into the movie before they realize that their paths are crossing and he's picking up the merchandise right. from her place. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the start of the, like, main plot. The real, the the big, like, heist, I guess. Well, I, I don't know. I disagree. I think the main plot of the movie is them saving their relationship. Okay. I guess I should have said... And you said, have to establish that their relationship is basically non-existent. I guess I should have said that's probably the shift in the movie or whatever. Is that moment where they start figuring out... Yes. It's an hour. So the movie's literally split down the middle. This is the half that's like the dramatic movie. This is the half that's the heist movie. We already talked about that's a little too long to get to that point. (laughs) But I guess it's symmetrical if you want to think about it as they're trying to make this like half and half movie. Either way, I did all that fast forwarding and it was just a during credit scene of Paxton making bread. Oh, he finally got to make his bread. So he just made bread (laughs) and you couldn't really see because it was small. He took a bite of it and it seemed like he made a face like, that's not bad. <laughs> that was it. What star rating would you give it? So I've adopted your method of okay. rating, direction, acting, writing, plot, editing, cinematography, and sound. Yes. Because <clears throat> um, I feel like us using the same method gets a little bit more accurate right. um, comparison. And I landed on three and a half stars. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Which is probably, (laughs) if I was just going to gut give it a rating, that's probably what I would give it. Okay. It's a a little bit better than mediocre. (laughs) So I obviously used the same rating system, and I ended up... So my final rating is two stars. (laughs) 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 what I got from the average was two and a half. And I thought that's what I gave wonder woman 1984. And I thought, I feel like I liked wonder woman 84 more than this movie. So I brought it to two. I liked this movie better than wonder woman. Wow. (laughs) They were both disjointed over long movies. So (laughs) there is the similarity there. I think, I think the main thing though, is that my expectations were higher for wonder woman, 1984. That's, that's definitely true. I was more disappointed by wonder woman than I was. I can see that. And you, you know, you just listed out the seven like categories that are being rated out of five stars a lot of those categories were very low ratings, and then acting and sound design really bumped the average up. Yeah, yeah my acting was a five. Yeah, there you go. That is 
locked it down. That is our, our review of it. If you liked it, awesome. If you didn't, awesome, because we pretty much feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> That's also really weird, because I went into this thinking that you were going to not like it so much that it was going to be like the Invisible Man where you were almost angry <laughs> at it. <laughs> and you know what? I think back, and the Invisible Man was a lot better than than I thought like, oh my God. right after we watched it. Do not say that. Maybe you need to watch it again, okay? Because you famously said... Should have been. Should have been the invisible movie. Okay? So I don't want to hear that. Okay. All right. Never mind. All right. So so now we're moving in to the third part of our podcast, and what are we going to do, okay? Are we going to do the the Alfred Hitchcock guessing game? Are we going to do which character would Al Pacino be best cast in in harry potter i say let's do both (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) so so which alfred hitchcock movie did i watch the first three minutes of i think what i need to know is did you watch the first three minutes because you were like i want to watch this started it in three minutes and we're like no i don't want to watch this or did you like immediately fall asleep because you were tired i recently got a new tv it's my right. first 4K HDR, all you know, bells and whistles TV. Right. It wasn't OLED because I don't know if you've TV shopped lately, but the price difference between an OLED and a non-OLED is ridiculous. Astronomical, even. It's insane. Um, but anyways, I was going through the movies that I had on iTunes, and I came across this Alfred Hitchcock movie. I'm like, how is this... In 4K and HDR, because this old movie, film because they can restore it is from insanely film. Yes. high quality. <laughs> right, right, I know that, but I thought it was cool that they did it. Yeah, so I wanted to see what it looked like in that kind of quality. Well, before I guess, was it great quality? Yeah, it was 4K HDR, but it like looked like it. Yes, it was phenomenal. Okay, so what movie? This should I be was easy. gonna say. I was going to say what movie would they make into 4K HDR from Alfred Hitchcock, but they would probably do all of them just because... Well, they did several you know, of them, but I only played one of them. Vertigo. Vertigo. See, because... Is it Psycho? It's Psycho. <laughs> I wanted to say Psycho. I wanted to say Psycho, but, like, part of me was thinking, like, I don't... Rem- like. Did you skip through, or did you watch the beginning three minutes of Psycho? Uh, the beginning three minutes. Because the beginning three minutes of Psycho aren't, like, super thrilling, you right. know? Right, <laughs> So I didn't. I don't remember Vertigo that much. I, I, I know that I have a film degree, and I don't think I'm allowed to say that, but I feel like Vertigo, I would imagine in my head, has a more interesting opening three minutes, but... Janet Lee's bra was in 4K. <laughs> but uh but yeah, that's that's awesome. So that was easy. So I can't decide for casting Al Pacino in Harry Potter. I don't know who he would be best as, but I right. most want to see him as Dobby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Harry Potter gave Dobby a sock. <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't know if anyone out there is thinking this, but I've just learned I have a terrible Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Al Pacino impression. What Harry Potter character would be best played by Alfred Hitchcock? <laughs> that could be easier. It's Uncle Vernon. <laughs> That's exactly right. You are so right. Just an old man who hates everybody. No post on Sundays. <laughs> Not a bad Alfred Hitchcock. My Alfred Hitchcock's better than Al Pacino. (laughs) Okay, but then Al Pacino, like, I'm just thinking, what character of Harry Potter is, like, loud and, like, (laughs) coked up? (laughs) That's that's just what I'm trying to think of. And I can't think of Gilderoy Lockhart? Gilderoy Lockhart. (laughs) That's exactly right. Okay, so Al Pacino would be best cast as Gilderoy Lockhart. Matt would want to see him most as Dobby, so who do I want to see him most as? (laughs) I mean, Voldemort. (laughs) I want to see him as Voldemort. I love your just acceptance. Of, of, <laughs> all right, let's go the obvious route. Yes, he's in Goblet of Fire. He just came back from the dead. He says, say hello to my little friends as all the Death Eaters come in. And his little friend is the little, like, fetus version of him. Yes. Say hello. What do you think of this, huh? It's so crazy how, like... Timothy Spall is holding the little <laughs> tiny Voldemort. Say hello to my little friend. Oh my I god. Do, I can't. Oh my god. I can't god. do the impression while I'm laughing. <laughs> yes. Just, <laughs> oh man. This is. We're off the rails right now. <laughs> if any of you are still listening, thank you so much. And what's we wrong really with you? I really appreciate it. Yes. Also, what's wrong with you? That's true. I have a thank you very much. <laughs> okay. I think we're composed. Okay. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at letsrunthatbackpod at gmail.com. Our Instagram is letsrunthatback, where we post whenever we have an episode up. I'm Cody. I'm Matt. We're two brothers that like to talk about movies as if our opinions matter, and this has been Let's Run That Back. You have a good one. (laughs) 